and welcome. We're back for episode three of Blake Bears Banter. Uh, I'm Nick Rathman, one of your co-hosts, athletic director here at Blake, and I'm joined by Sean Reed, associate athletic director here at Blake. Afternoon, Sean. Good afternoon, Nick. We have some uh, exciting news today. Uh, the board of directors of the Minnesota State High School League came out with uh, some finalized plans for winter uh, sports. And uh, I think it'd be good just to give a quick overview of what the uh, board of directors just said. So uh, we are going to have state tournament competition for all the winter sports, which we did not have in the fall. And so uh, they're all going to be tweaked a little bit. So briefly, uh, there's going to be a Nordic skiing state competition up at Giants Ridge in Bawabic. That'll be on Friday, March 12th. They had to adjust the number of participants, the number of teams. There's still going to be a state tournament for Nordic skiing. Alpine skiing will have their venue or their state tournament two days before at Giants Ridge as well. And they're going to have, um, again, a limited number of skiers, but they're still going to have a state tournament. And then uh, the boys swimming and diving, they're going to go back to the Aquatic Center at the University of Minnesota, which they've always done in the past. And, of course, it's going to be different. Uh, it's going to be over three days. There's going to be no, uh, no spectators, and, but at least there's going to be a chance for the, uh, the Bear Stags to go to U of M and uh, defend their state title. Which is so exciting that they get to have something to look forward to now. Uh, the Alpine and Nordic ski meets are a month later than they normally be, just to kind of put the timeline in people's heads. Uh, for hockey, we're going to have, uh, they should phrase this up, seven days of hockey. Uh, it's going to be a fun seven days. They're going to have 20 games broadcasted on Channel 45. The girls' quarterfinals will be on Friday and Saturday, March 25th and 26th. The boys' quarterfinals will follow on Tuesday and Wednesday. So we're talking March 30th and 31st. And then the semifinals will be Thursday, April 1st for the girls, we believe, and Saturday, April 2nd, or Friday, April 2nd for the boys' semifinals. That brings us to a, basically a brand new championship Saturday. So on April 3rd, there's going to be four championship games on the date. They'll have uh, boys and girls class A, boys and girls class AA. There'll be no consolation or third place games. And now what's going to happen is sections are going to start working backwards from those state dates. And we'll start to confirm section dates and how section tournaments are going to work to get to the state tournament. So really key, this came out today. And then also we had basketball. They're going to be at the Target Center for their championships. They will use various sites uh, undetermined at this point, probably some college sites or some large high schools. They have five days designated for the semifinals and finals to get all those classes in, boys and girls basketball. And it should go from roughly March 30th to April 10th. So championship days will be on the 9th and 10th of April. Um, as all this will be, a lot of it will either be webcasted or on Channel 45. Um, staffing and attendance is going to be limited or very minimal or, or not much attendance at all. Um, they're going to really work to limit travel and avoiding hotels, and that's why they're giving the days off in between. Right. So very exciting news, and um, uh, the uh, winter athletes have something to look forward to. Now they can have uh, big goals to strive for, and then there's uh, updates about spring sports that we'll cover at a later podcast. And uh, also exciting is our guest coming up later. Uh, in the show, uh, one of the best ever in the state of Minnesota in terms of being an athlete, right? I would, you know her well, better than I do, but I know her very well as well. I'd put her up there as one of the best people as well. Um, what are some of your memories of coaching Danny Cameronisi in girls hockey? Well, from the very first day that I, she was on the ice, we, we did summer training the summer before the season, 
And even in summer training, she was the hardest working player out there. And I've said many times that she is the best hockey player I've ever coached, boy, girl, man, woman, any player. She's absolutely phenomenal. But as you mentioned, she's an even better person. And we had her on the staff last year um, for the, uh, the girls' hockey staff, and just a tremendous coach, tr tremendous player and person. Uh, one distinct memory besides the, what, I think she scored like 90 goals or something <laughs> like that in her senior year. She was playing the World Junior Championships in Europe, and she came back after the uh, tournament, and we had a game that night, it was like a Thursday night, against St. Paul, and uh, I think they're called the St. Paul Capitals, and we were going to win 10-0. We had a really good team, and their team struggled, and I said, Danny, don't play. You don't need to play. You're jet-lagged. You don't need to play. She said, no, nope, I play. And I'm not going to tell her no. Right. <laughs> She's Danny. <laughs> and uh, she proceeded to throw up in between both periods, in between the the first and second inning, between the second and third, she had horrible jet lag, and she only had three goals and three assists. <laughs> so <laughs> talk about just a tremendous athlete. You know, we all think about it. You know, you have kids in sports. I have kids in sports. We watch all the sports here. There's, there's a lot to be said about working hard, and everyone wants to work hard, and I even think I work hard sometimes. She's a whole different definition, though, and I think that's why she's had the success she has. She does all of her work ahead of time, so that the results just follow. She, she trusts the process. And um, yes, it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm working hard. No, well, go take a look at what Danny Cameronese does. Yeah. That's called work. And we'll get into it and we'll ask her these questions, but I mean, she's played through crazy injuries where it's not a bump or a bruise, right? She's got ligaments out and bones out of joints, and she just plays. Right. She, she was injured, not hurt, yet still played. Yeah, doctors cleared her to play. She's all good. It's nothing, right? But she's just that determined, and that determination is, is obviously comes from her family and her brother and, and all that too, but it's just magical inside of her. It's just a whole other level. Like Whatever you think you're working hard, I watched someone here come and work harder, and her name's Danny Cabernese, and that's why she's been so successful. Yeah, we hope you uh, enjoy listening to the stories that Danny's going to tell. I am so excited to have our next guest on here today on the Blake Bears Banter Podcast. Danny Cabernese is a class of 2013 alum of Blake. She's a two-time state champion, a two-time national champion, a two-time Patty Kazmaier Award finalist, an Olympic gold medalist, and a current member of the Professional Women's Hockey Player Association. Danny, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's quite a long list of things when you set it up like that. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, you've had such an amazing, impressive career. I had the privilege of coaching you for just one year. I always made the joke that uh, you weren't that good until I coached you that year, and then all of a sudden you just took off, but <laughs> of course that's totally incorrect. Uh, so what we would like to do is just talk with you about your different hockey experiences and what you're up to now and get an update uh, about uh, how you're doing. So first, uh, talk about your high school experiences. What, what things stand out to you when you look back on the five years that you played for the Blake Bears? Um, I think the, one of the first things is that was actually my first experience playing girls hockey was in... Um, eighth grade at Blake. So I, I specifically remember a few times getting yelled at by my dad after the game <laughs> in my first few games. <laughs> and he was like, what are you doing there? Because I would just kind of like pull up or 
um, just like let the puck go by me because I thought I was going to get absolutely blown up by a defenseman <laughs> like streaking down the boards. So it took me a, a little adjustment period for me to um, go from uh, boys hockey to girls. But I think overall it was just like my experiences there. It was, I learned a lot and it was what I was like taught through hockey um, with Brano and then with you my senior year. And um, I was actually just recounting the um, state tournament my senior year with my dad. And my dad was, like, talking about me playing defense for, like, a good portion of the game. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, coach had you at forward and defense when he didn't want anyone to score. And I think, like, just being able to to be, I guess, fluid like that and you put me in in a bunch of different positions. So I learned how to play defense and that is something that I know my coaches are, are have been very happy with um, through college and, and playing afterwards is my ability to play defense and be sound in the D zone as well as contribute offensively. So yeah. I definitely learned a lot at play. <laughs> the championship game, we played against War Road, and when you were at the World Championships in December, they throttled us like 12-3 or something like that. And there was a rematch in a championship game, and I was talking with uh, Wardo and Taya, the two other coaches in Expo, Chris Esposito, who's a goalie coach, or it was Chris Peterson, uh, Pedro, who was a goalie coach at that time. And we wanted to have Danny on the ice as much as possible without, you know, totally killing you cardiovascularly-wise. And so we came up with a, a rotation where, you know, you'd start, and then you, uh, as, as a center, come rest for a shift, and then you go out as a left defenseman, and then when that third line center came off the ice, you moved up to center, you threw a defenseman off it. <laughs> and so that worked. We jumped out to a 4-5-0 or five zero lead in the first period. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty <laughs> complex rotation we had going. I'm surprised I was able to do that. <laughs> yet you were just playing hockey. Right. Yeah, yeah true. Uh, after that game, Danny, so after your senior year, we're at uh, – I've been doing this for for uh, for quite a while now, and uh, one of my favorite moments in Blake athletics that I've ever seen was what you did after the War Room game. Do you remember what you did? I don't. I know you've told me before, but so, I don't personally remember it. <laughs> so you came off the ice, and you were the last athlete off, and then you stopped, and you asked the security guard. The lights went out. The Excel Energy Center is black. Everyone's in the locker room. And uh, you asked the security guard if you could go back on the ice. And you went and had, like, the slowest skate, skate around the entire rink. And you were just staring up into the stands, and everyone's gone. And it was uh, – it. I don't know what was in your head. It was probably as much as you were just playing hockey, as you were just going up for a skate. But it looked like you were reliving your whole high school career uh, in one lap around – and then, uh, and then you went in the locker room and celebrated with everybody. And it was just, a, it was a pretty cool moment. I was actually with your mom on the bench watching you do that after a pretty, right? I mean, that was a pretty emotional senior year. Um, a lot of pressure on the team, on you, and then the transition from coaches and the loss of Brano, and there was a lot there, right? So I just always remember that moment. It was, it was, uh, it was pretty special to watch. Yeah, I I don't remember it. I think maybe I blacked out a little bit while I was doing that too. But yeah, I, I thinking back, I I would imagine like you said, there was just a lot of emotions attached to that. And I mean, I had um, played hockey at Blake for five years prior to that, and that was I know everyone 
like it's your senior year and you're excited to like move on with the rest of your life. But then there's also that aspect of, of closing such an important time and like chapter in your life, which, which gets emotional too. So I think you're probably right when I was reliving all of, all of the wonderful moments that I had there and just kind of looking forward to the future and, and reminiscing on all that um, I had been through and was taught. Well, you had one more accomplishment to achieve the next day when you were named Miss Hockey. And then, um, uh, so just an incredible high school career. Then you go on to the Gophers, and you end up winning uh, two national titles. The first national title was in your sophomore year, correct, when you beat Harvard? Yep, sophomore year. So what do you remember about that game? Um, I think, I, like, as you have probably already noticed now, it's, the very beginning of this interview I am very bad at remembering what happened in games but the one thing that I do specifically remember other than Hannah Brandt scoring and then like taking out the ref in the corner <laughs> is just it was at home so it was at Ritter in Minnesota and just like I think having it there on home soil and I just remember being able to celebrate with my family, uh, minus my brother, on the ice afterwards, and, and just have being able to have all of our family members there, um, which isn't always the case. Obviously, when when you're playing somewhere else, like my sister was able to be there, even though she worked, and um, actually my now fiance and his family were able to be there, and they came on the ice afterwards, and and I just remember being able to win it in front of our friends and and family and our fans was was the best part of that year for sure. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> you're also part of a historic 62-game winning streak, right? Um, during that streak, I mean, that was just an incredible experience, and the, the Gophers women's team just got so many new fans from that time, and you were part of it, you are right in the middle, you are instrumental uh, for that experience. Uh, can you recall the feelings that you had as a team during that time, like, would you, was there just a state of excitement all the time, or was there sometimes a little bit of boredom? Like, oh my gosh, it's almost too easy. What was that like to be part of the 62 game winning streak? Um, we were, my, um, it was my freshman year is when, so it happened the year before. So we came in freshman year, me and my class, having this unbeaten streak. So it honestly was actually a little nerve-wracking for, for us, I think, sure. because we're coming in and um, it's our freshman year. We're just learning about systems and all this stuff. And then right off the bat, you're just expected to win. And I think we took it like 13 games or something. I, I just remember we were in Bemidji, at Bemidji, which is always like a very – is it an extremely hard game to play against because they play really tight defense. They block a lot of shots. For some reason, I don't know why, everyone always says it, it, they're just a hard team to play against at their rink. And it was tied, and emotions were running very, very high because everyone was so nervous about the um, unbeaten streak. But I remember our coaches coming in and like telling us that it isn't about that, and, and you never expect to go through a season being unbeaten. And I think one of the things that they taught me is there's a lot of stuff to learn in games that you do lose. So like once that finally did come around, it's not like people were like upset with us. I think they were just impressed with how long that 
the streak had lasted, even though we were all nervous, especially us freshmen, because we're like, oh, great, we're the reason that the, the streak ended. Um, but we learned a lot in those losses. And um, then even going into, into the next year and sophomore year, I think um, in my junior year, actually, we were playing BC in the final, and they hadn't lost a game that year. And we had lost a few, and we we knew going into it that we had learned so much from those losses and that we wanted to be their first loss of the season too. So it's when you're in a position like that, you're, you're not the underdog and everyone wants to take you down. So you kind of have a target and it's a lot harder than people would think it is. I think. What, in what ways have you learned how to deal with pressure, right? So just high expectations, pressures of winning, pressures of making teams. How, how have you kind of worked yourself through in your career in dealing with pressure? Um, I like to think that I do everything that I can off the ice and I prepare so much in practices and in summers and um, I like to work really hard in, in the off season along with like the rest of my teammates and, and I think just getting through that pressure, just knowing that up until that point that you've done everything to put yourself in a position to succeed. And if you do, that's great. If you don't, it sucks at the time. But um, there's, for me, I have always thought there's going to be more opportunities and I try not to put pressure on myself. I mean, I think of it like I've been playing hockey since I was five years old. So I know what to do, and I just have to put it all out there, and, and hopefully it's good enough. Yeah, I hope you don't mind if I dive into something real quick. Um, you, I mean, you've had nothing. Not you've experienced so much success over your career. Surely, there's been a time when you didn't live up to your expectations, or things didn't go your way. And I, I know we have some uh, Blake current athletes who are who will be listening to this and want to tune in, and they'll want to learn from you as well. Uh, can you talk about a time when things didn't go your way and how you responded? And maybe if you uh, could go back, you would have changed either your approach or the response afterwards? Um, I've had a few a few times where things haven't gone my way. Um, I mean, whether that that's not being chosen for a team or um, just not being in a position that I would originally think I was going to be put in. But I think one of the big things for me, um, I had two pretty um, crazy injuries um, throughout my career in college. And um, after a year playing with like, a, um, I had dislocated my shoulder and I had torn some ligaments my junior year. So I played through that and then um, I unfortunately wasn't able to try out for any of the USA teams that year because when we do, did have, to have a break in our season, I really needed it, so I had to take the time off. And then immediately after our national championship game, I actually um, went into surgery three days later. And that was um, pretty excruciating <laughs> recovery. Um, but I made it back in time for our senior year. And then a couple weekends in, before Christmas, I um, ended up having another injury in Wisconsin, um, and I thought it was just a, a little 
ankle sprain. So I, luckily it was right before Christmas. I had time to take off. Um, I came back after our winter break and tried playing in Duluth and there was just like no push to my stride. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up getting into a very, very well renowned doctor here in um, <laughs> Minnesota. Luckily we have that going on for us um, and found out that I had torn ligaments in my ankle I completely torn them so my bones were shifting around and I had to undergo surgery for that and that happened to be four months before Olympic tryouts Mm. and so I had been out of USA hockey at that point for two years then so I needed to be at those Olympic tryouts and mind you that's my senior season too so I pretty much missed the majority of my senior season I was on pace that year to break all of my previous records as I had had I think already 18 goals up to that point um and I think it would have been easy for me to just count it out and be like okay well it's just not gonna happen for me but that's not the way I think nor I think us Cameronazies have been brought up to think. So I just <laughs> worked my butt off. I actually made it back um, way earlier than they were expecting me to. Made it back for some of our playoffs. And then I obviously made it back for Olympic tryouts and ended up making the team. So I think it's easy sometimes to just count yourself out or maybe others count you out. But if you work hard, I think there's truly nothing that can stop you and even if you work hard and something still doesn't turn out like I said before like just knowing that you did everything that you could yeah well that's awesome Danny I mean to be an elite athlete to have the success that you've had of course you have to go through all kinds of trial and error and uh, your perseverance is second to none Um, so you, you just hit on it when you had that major injury and then you came back earlier able to make the Olympic team. Um, talk about the feelings that you had when you actually were named to the Olympic team because I'm sure it wasn't set in stone before tryouts. You actually had to try out and earn your spot. So what did that feel like, especially coming off uh, the injury that you had? Yeah, it was a, a really emotional experience. And um, so that year... They've done it a few different ways leading up to the Olympics. So that year, um, they actually had, like, picked the team, and that was the team that they were expecting to go to the Olympics with. Um, Whereas in the past, they um, have also done where you um, have extra players and then make cuts throughout the year, Um, which we ended up (laughs) – we actually had worked on – shootouts like the entire year like after every practice we would go through a shootout and I think the coaches are just knew that obviously that there was a chance that it could end up in that we in that position and wanted to know which players they to put out and they clearly did good at that and we had incredible goalies and after that we celebrated and it was the best feeling of my entire life John did you do you remember where you were when you were watching that well, I was just at home. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, because in Minnesota, it might have, it must have been close to 2 a.m., I think. Oh, yeah, super, super late. Yeah, of course you stay up and watch. And I think it was a weeknight. Oh, yeah, it was. I think it was a weeknight here, right? And I remember Danny, my four-year-old, would not 
would not go to bed. We got into a fight after the second period that it was so late <laughs> and you have school tomorrow. And then it went third period into overtime and then it's going to be a shootout and you probably don't notice, but there was a TV commercial between every part of it. So it just kept going till I think it was well past 2 a.m. And I had to write her pre-K teacher an email saying, Lila's going to be very tired tomorrow. She stayed up and watched the Olympics and her teacher wrote back and said, of course, we all stayed up and watched it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then the next day at school, I was walking through the hallways and, every, and everyone, and I was wearing uh, the USA shirt that we got to support you guys and all that too. And everyone had like droopy eyes and all smiling and everyone was high-fiving in the hallways of like the lower school at Blake. It was fantastic. Yeah. That, was, that was a really special experience for everybody involved. And I got to go on stage uh, in the JNA and I did a little speech about you as well. So that was, that was super cool. Oh, cool. So uh, after the Olympics, now you are part of the Professional Women's Hockey Player Association. Uh, so for those people who are listening who aren't uh, really uh, familiar with uh, what you're currently doing, can you give us an update about uh, the days that you are doing right now? Yeah, so, um, it, so it's a players association. Um, there is a ton of girls in it. Um, from all over, um, mainly the U.S. and Canada, and um, some Europeans as well, obviously, and um, all of the girls in in the U.S. and Canadian national teams, and um, it's just this players' association because we didn't feel like we have a place um, like the men in other sports where we can um, make money playing professionally after. So unfortunately in women's hockey, a lot of us obviously have our sights set on the Olympics because that's pretty much the peak of where we can go and play. There's nothing like the NHL, the NBA, the MLB or WNBA or the soccer league. Like we can't um, play and make um, a living wage, unfortunately, um, doing something that we love. So a lot of collegiate players who were incredible players and um, unfortunately don't end up making a roster for the national teams um, or maybe just didn't have their sights set on that anyway have to quit playing hockey because there's um, nowhere to play for that or they might actually have to have a job as well on top of playing hockey and, and we have just felt that we have reached a point in time where um, we want that to be a viable option for the future generations. So we are fighting for um, a viable league where girls and women can play professionally and earn a living wage and not have to have another job and have playing hockey be what they do for a living. So um, that's pretty much what we're working on. So we and um a bunch of other people actually like the lead um group that is helping us is the billy king foundation mm -hmm. and so she um and all of her employees and everything have been been helping us tremendously on that and, and we have a bunch of lawyers reaching out trying to figure out um all of that but but things are actually looking very promising and and as of now we are practicing so like minnesota has a region so i'm obviously in the minnesota region um and new hampshire those are the two in the u.s so we had trials for that earlier this year and then we have a team and then there's 
Montreal, um, Toronto, and Calgary in Canada. But um, this year has been a little bit different, obviously, for everyone, but with COVID and not really being able to cross the border. So we haven't had a lot going on. But last year, um, we had showcases all throughout the U.S. and Canada. So these showcases with the events put on on weekends by um, whoever hosted them. We had um, like one here in Arizona that was actually hosted by the Coyotes. We had one in um, Chicago that was put on by the Blackhawks. But basically to just go around and play games and, and show people um, and showcase women's hockey and to like show like what we can do and, and all of that. And this year has been a little bit different. So we've just been practicing the whole year, but we just received good news of a showcase in New York at Madison Square Garden, which will be the first women's game played at MSG. And that was released yesterday yep. on National Girls and Women's in Sports Day. So very exciting things happening. <laughs> Uh, I, I think the game is February 23rd. Does that sound right? I think so. Uh, it's the last week of February, and it's at Madison yes. Square Garden. Um, and so it's it's a great partnership with the Rangers, a pretty marquee NHL team. So things seem to be uh, moving in a pretty good direction. Yeah, yeah, very exciting. And I think they have some other stuff in the works, unfortunately. Um, like I said, with the border and not being able to cross, it's looking like... We're going to have a lot of Minnesota New Hampshire games against each other this year. But honestly, anytime we can get in and, and play games this year is very exciting for all of us. And honestly, the rest of the hockey community at this point, I can tell you that. Right. Well, Dan, you're, you're continuing to do awesome things. It's so fun to watch you from afar. It's awesome to uh, be able to coach with you last year. You're a, a tremendous ambassador, not just to hockey, but to women and athletes and um, anybody with core values and strong moral compasses. So it's awesome to have you on this podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we do have four questions. We do a little question segment at the end of every interview. And so we're going to ask you four questions to see uh, how you do, okay? Okay. All right. So first question. How many state titles have the Bears girls hockey team won? Oh, gosh. Well. Oh, no. Um, Are you Googling it right now uh, on your phone? No. That was a beep I, on my, your phone. My cheek, my cheek did press a number three. <laughs> uh, well, I, I for sure know two. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to go with uh, eight. Close. It was seven. 2003, 2007, 2009. 2013, those two you're part of, 913, then 14, 16, and 17. All right. Okay, I knew those ones. I knew the three after and the two I was a part of, but the ones before is where you got me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number two. How many national titles have the Gophers women's hockey team won? <gasps> oh, gosh. How many national? Um, isn't that one seven, too? Very good. Very yeah, good. okay. <laughs> All right, yeah, so that was uh, 2000, 2004, 5, 12, 13, 15, and 16. Nice. Right. Question number three. 
You wore number 21 for Minnesota. Who else has worn that jersey for the Minnesota Golden Gophers women's hockey team? Pretty sure there was only one other person. Was there? I don't know. Who's the oh. person you think? I, I don't know. I think her name is Kelly, but I could be wrong. <laughs> so, uh, first person to wear was Marissa Pettiford, and then Laura Slominski, then Alex Sanchez, <laughs> then Monique Lamaru, and uh, then Emily Oden. Um, well, didn't get that one. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. No apologies, no, everyone. <laughs> Question four. This is always our musical question for every guest. When you graduated from Blake in 2013, what was the number one Billboard song that year? 2013? Yes. Oh, gosh. I have no idea. It was probably got to be hip-hop of some kind. It was. Um, I'm going to go with something by Justin Bieber, but... I could be wrong. That would have been top three. It was actually Thrift Shop by Macklemore. <laughs> remember that? I do remember yes. that. Was that because it wasn't his like music video played during the Super Bowl? It's, it's exactly what happened. And it got yep. big. So it was just this time of year in 2013. Yep, yep. All right. One the questions are over. You did well in that. Actually, the best of any <laughs> guests we've had so far. Uh, but just one last maybe thing to leave uh, today and wrap it up on. When you look back specifically at Blake, what – people teachers coaches you know do you still think about remember or had a had a pretty big impact on you there's a lot of people honestly two of them are actually on this podcast <laughs> with me right now um that i still keep in touch with, with obviously and um alex wardo was a big one um brano's whole family they're all blake alum and have his grandchildren i believe right oh yeah there. no yeah um, and another, another big one for me is Mr. Arnold. So I think just overall, I've been back to Blake a few times and a lot of the same people are still there, I would say. And I, I had a great experience, I think with all of like my teachers and coaches and it's a very, obviously it's a very small school and a tight knit community, but I, I do love that whenever I do go back there. Everyone is so welcoming, and it's not like they, like, don't remember who you are. Like, everyone remembers everyone, and it's almost like this family that you get to be a part of. So there are a lot more people on that list that I should have listed off, but um, definitely some of the most important ones, I think, in my career at Blake and afterwards are, are the ones that I listed, and I'm very grateful to have gone there. Well, Danny, again, thank you very much for joining us. Good luck with the... Uh, PWHPA, and look forward to uh, seeing you playing at Madison Square Garden at the end of the month. Hopefully, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Thanks Danny. Guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.